Hey, listeners, it's Brett here. Um, I just wanted to say a couple things here before we start the show. First off, thank you so much to all of you out there who sent your love and support uh, my way and my family's way this past week, whether it was an email or a tweet or a text or a Facebook message or even just thinking about us, we we felt it. And I truly was moved and it helped, it did. And so my mom is still fighting, so please continue to see her uh, healthy and strong, and uh, you know we're going to get through this. And I want you to know that your support and your love uh, has meant the world to me uh, over the last week. So thank you. The second thing I wanted to share is that I'm going to be doing quite a lot of traveling over the next few months, connected to some business things I have going on, and I'm hoping I'll get a chance to meet some of you guys in person. The big one is that I'm going to be heading over to London, England. So if you are in London. The plan is to do some sort of meetup on Saturday, February 25th. Uh, I've reached out to a few people in London already, but I would love some help as far as picking a location, and I would love to meet as many of you as possible. So email me, brett, B-R-E-T-T, at wherethersmoke.co. If you're interested in helping me plan that, or if you just want to make sure that you are there, or make sure to follow me on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, get on our mailing list, because I'll be announcing kind of details as they are formed. Also, if you live in any of these six North American cities and you want to hang out, ping me again by email, by tweet, whatever it is. But if you're in Syracuse, New York, Indianapolis, New York City, Calgary, Atlanta, or Houston, let me know and let me know if you want to hang out. There's a possibility we might do a meetup in one of those places as well. We'll see. But for now, what I just want you to do is reach out and let me know you're there. All right. So again, thank you guys for the love and support. And hopefully I'll get a chance to connect with some of you in person over the next few months. And with that, let's get to the show. You know, I've often wondered, when Malcolm Gladwell hypothesizes 10,000 hours to mastery, I'm pretty sure he's talking about getting the toast to be ready at the same time as the rest of the breakfast. And just this past week, my wife decided to make breakfast for dinner. Mm, Brinner. I love Brinner, Brett. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good, no doubt. So, so I, I walked into the kitchen and you could feel the anxiety in the room, right? I mean, the air was swirling as she moved from frying pan to cutting board. And she asked me, can you pull the toast out and butter it? And I thought, pull the toast out? The eggs aren't even done. And I was like, oh man, she's in it, right? She's in that that breakfast vortex that many of us have experienced at least a hundred times in our life, you know? And I, and I wonder how close is she to mastery? She's she's probably closer than me, but, but 10,000 breakfasts, I mean, that's a lot of breakfast. Okay. Now, Brett, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, uh, but it's actually a bit tough to talk because I'm still thinking about bacon and breakfast for dinner. But I thought the show was about business strategy. So is it about business strategy or is it about breakfast strategy, which is fine. I just want to know. Yes, Nick. <laughs> I'm, it is about business strategy, but it kind of reminds me of breakfast strategy. Oh, okay. Because what we're talking about here is how to, you know, launch or run a successful venture, right? Or a business venture, or any project really. And there are multiple moving parts and you have to be aware and, and juggling all of them to create success. 
And specifically, we're going to be talking about three aspects, three pillars, if you will, of running a business and how you need to maintain and manage all three of those. And so just like when you're making breakfast, you know, you have to start with the bacon first and then decide when to put the eggs on. And while you're cooking the eggs, you still have to flip the bacon and you have to make sure to perfectly time putting in the toast because no one wants cold toast, Nick. Oh, no, no, no. No one wants cold toast. Cold toast is basically like accelerated stale bread. But but that's sort of beside the point. Uh, Maybe we should just simplify this whole thing a little bit. Okay. Simplify how? I mean, somewhere in there, you talked about juggling. So what if the metaphor is just juggling balls? Like you implied that there are these three pillars are important. So what if each pillar is a ball and we have to keep them all in the air? And if they're not all in the air, ultimately at some point you will pay the price. Yeah. Juggling. I like that, Nick. That's a solid metaphor. Move over, Bacon. There's something leaner. All right, so clear your plates. Whoa! Nick, 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 I meant metaphorically. Sorry. Clear your plates and pick up your juggling balls because this week we are talking about what you need to be aware of when you are launching a project or a business venture. And it could be any business, a service business of some kind, a product, a restaurant. It could even be a podcast. We're going to talk to two entrepreneurs who both launched their businesses in early 2016 and see how they applied these three balls in their businesses, what they learned and how they are approaching year two. Okay, so wait, Brett, what are the what are the balls? What are the three things? Great question, Nick. And I'll tell you what, how about we play the theme first and then we'll get to that. All right. Sounds good. Three, two, one. Hey, toast is done. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. This week, we're talking strategy over breakfast. How do we take an endeavor from an idea to success? Joining us at the table are speaker and consultant Melanie Diesel and founder of Truly Social, Tara Hunt. My name is Brett Guida. And my name is Nick Jaworski. Let's start the show. You know, I teach people to juggle, truly. I use learning to juggle as a mindset metaphor in some of the courses I teach around strategy and learning. When I start, I just give everybody three juggling balls, and the instruction is simply, okay, go ahead and juggle. And there's always a few in the room that have juggled before, and they do pretty well. But most of the people in the room have no idea what they're doing. Most have never even tried to juggle. And balls start flying all over the place, and it is chaos. Now, albeit fun chaos, but chaos nonetheless. And then I stop them and give them some tips. You see, juggling is all about the throw. So we start with that. First with one ball, not even catching it, just practicing that accurate first toss. Then we introduce the second ball. And only when they understand that dynamic do we bring in the third. Basically, I give them a strategy. A strategy simply defined as a careful plan or method for achieving a particular goal. In this case, the goal is to juggle. We break it down into simple steps, and usually in less than 20 minutes, with a little practice, someone who started in complete chaos has become a juggler. And the only difference between who they were 20 minutes earlier 
And where they are in that moment is that they received and executed a strategy. Today, we are going to talk about how to succeed in an endeavor. And it could be any endeavor. Though for the sake of learning today, we are going to talk in the context of how to grow a business. Though even in this context, it could be any kind of business. It could be a restaurant, a service business, a nonprofit, an auto repair shop, or a home inspection company. You could be a speaker or a locksmith or a graphic designer or a coach. It could be your division of a company owned by someone else or your team at a Fortune 1000 company or even just you, your career within the field you work. Any type of business or project that you are invested in and want to grow. Years ago, I was taught an idea by a business coach, and it involved three main pillars that collectively maintain the strength and potential of your business. As I was taught at Six Sigma, analyze, strategize, succeed. A-S-S. I'm going to crush this problem with my ass. Um, not exactly. The three, which I've since slightly adapted, are operations, revenue, and future strategy. And together, they can act as a strategic approach and a report card of sorts for growing a business. Or as Nick suggested in our opening, another way to think about these three pillars is that they're like juggling balls. And to be successful, you need to keep them all in the air. Because if one were to get completely neglected and fall, you will pay for it and likely fail. You failed, you failed, you failed, you failed, you failed, you failed, you failed. So what exactly are the three pillars, these three juggling balls labeled operations, revenue, and future strategy? Operations, this could also be called productivity. It's your infrastructure, your capacity, your efficiencies, all the moving parts and the little and big things that have to happen to keep the business running. Do you have effective systems in place? Do you have the resources and or the capacity to do what you need to do? This is the ball we call operations. Next is revenue. Basically everything you're doing in the present moment that is serving your customers and bringing in income. Or if you are a nonprofit, bringing in donations. This is sales, delivery, and customer service. And the third ball, future strategy. What are the things you need to be doing today that are going to impact your business a year from now or longer? It is about having a vision beyond today, about creating a culture and building leadership. All the things you would need to do to maximize for growth. And so again, in any endeavor, all three of these balls must be in the air at all times. If they're not, then you're no longer juggling. You just took one in the jugular, man. Now they don't require the same amount of energy or attention all the time, and that is part of understanding them. While these three balls do exist in every business, they can look very different from business to business, and they can change in different phases of a singular business. So how the equation looks in year one may be very different than what is needed in year two. How you juggle these balls in times of great profit might be different than your approach if the market has changed in some way. Infinite factors come into play here. The type of business, the market, goals, years in operation, your personality, your strengths, the economy, competition, and what your customers want, just to name a few. 
So how do we here at Where There's Smoke approach talking about these strategies in a way that will apply to many when how they apply is so unique? Well, we are going to take a note from one of our own episodes, our Stories and Influence episode, and a quote shared by our guest, Ty Bennett. There's a great book called The Story Factor by Annette Simmons. And she said in there, one, one thing that stood out that speaks to this, she said the counterintuitive secret to effective stories is that the more specific the details, the more universal the applications. We are going to get specific in the hopes of providing universal learning. And specifically, I reached out to two WTS listeners who both launched businesses at the beginning of 2016. Because who better, right? I mean, our listeners are some of the most creative, powerful people I know. You are difference makers. You are people who want to be better, help others be better, and help the world be a better place. And you do that through your words, your actions, your careers, and your businesses. My intention was to talk to both of these listeners about how they juggled these three balls in the first year of their business. What worked, what they learned, and where are they putting their focus in 2017? So first, let's meet them. I'm Melanie Diesel. I'm a branded content strategist, consultant, speaker, writer. I've got one of those many comma titles. Um, But I I started out in journalism and I worked in branded content strategy for some major publishers like Huffington Post and the New York Times. And just last year, I broke out on my own to try to reach and teach more people and uh, took myself to the stage to in order to do that, you know, to try to reach as many people as possible. So I'm I'm running my own consultancy now and and writing as much as I can. Um, And it's it's a new adventure every day. I'm Tara Hunt. I'm the founder and principal of Truly Social, a firm that helps clients build strong content platforms that connect their audience and their potential future customers as well. I'm also the writer and host of the Truly Social video series, which is all about talking to people that already get it and helping them get the language to talk to their bosses or clients that don't get it. I met both Melanie and Tara through this show in the first half of 2015. They both heard early episodes of the show, shared them through social media. We connected and I was able to meet both of them in person soon after. Tara when she invited me to speak in Toronto and Melanie when she attended a WTS meetup in New York City. Since then, they have become friends. And in addition, mentors. I've been educated through their experiences and inspired through their results. Melanie officially launched her business as a speaker and independent consultant in February 2016. And by most metrics, she had a very successful first year in business. I mean, I did 50 plus events and I I traveled 100 plus thousand miles. I was on the road, I think, I think for 80 days of 2016, which I was certainly not anticipating when I I, uh, left my full time job in February. And Tara Hunt? Well... From the outside looking in, I'd certainly say that Truly Social had a successful year as well. But what's that they say? Looks can't be deceiving. (laughs) Right. So I asked her, you've had a successful year. Um, Well, let me ask you. I mean, are you, would you say you are behind where you thought you'd be further ahead or significantly further ahead than where you thought you'd be when you started a year ago? Significantly further ahead. 
Like shocking, shockingly so. <laughs> okay. So, so, you know, we'll, we'll come back to these pillars. Or these pillars are so two women, one year, two successful businesses. What worked for them? What didn't? And if we filter their experiences through those three juggling balls of operations, revenue, and future strategy, what can we see? When I asked them to grade their businesses on the three categories, both gave themselves the highest grade in revenue and stated that it also got the most attention through the year. Now, that makes sense. Melanie and Tara both started their businesses in 2016, Tara in January and Melanie a month later. In that scenario, it is pretty common for a lot of the focus to be on revenue, on making the next sale, delivering to your clients and building loyalty with those accounts and customers especially if your new business is your primary source of income. You know, often if you do not get into the black in the first three to six months, you might not eat or you might lose the roof over your head. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. But interestingly, as I spoke to Tara Hunt about her revenue activity, she noted that delivering for clients in the moment isn't always just serving revenue, especially when you're just starting out. And a lot of that ties into strategy, right? You know, the strategy is to do an, a really bang up job with your early clients so that those referrals come in and help you grow your business. When you were talking about this, I thought, oh, I really failed that strategy. But when I think about it for an early stage business, I actually did what you should do in an early stage business. You shouldn't be sitting down writing big 10-year business plans. Uh, at least that's not what I think works. I think what works is building a really strong foundation in the first while. And that foundation is like a strong client base that will, you know, be more than happy to be in a a case study and uh, give you references to bigger clients as you grow and will refer more and more people uh, your way. And so again, strategy is different for different people in different businesses. For Tara, working on revenue was working on strategy in year one. For Melanie, as a speaker, she has to be continually working on future business, as most events book months in advance. If she isn't planning ahead, one day she'll find herself walking off a stage and not walking back onto another one for three to six months. In that, where Melanie found her biggest challenge was keeping those operation and strategy balls in the air when she was so busy delivering so busy in that revenue category. I left my job on February 5th, I think. And my first speaking gig was February 10th. I was ready. I had been prepared. You know, I had a full roster for the next few months because I had focused solely on strategy, right? I didn't have to worry about operations yet. I didn't have to worry about making money now. And what was a really harsh reality for me was, you know, one or two months in when I realized I've been, you know, going to all these speaking gigs and I hadn't given myself more of that time for the strategy or for the operations. So I'd have, you know, one Friday where I'd sit down and realize, my God, I've got to do a month's worth of invoicing and a month's worth of logging all of my travel and God, where are my receipts? And, you know, it was just this sort of operations chaos because I I hadn't found that balance yet. I honestly, I think the first the first few months of my business, I did sort of go back and forth from one extreme to the other, kind of having an operations day and a strategy day. You know, you kind of have to to fit that in where you can. And I hope that, you know, coming into this year, one of my goals is to be a little more structured about that. This kind of chaos is common, particularly for small business owners, and it can become debilitating. 
know, all this stuff either doesn't get done and comes back to bite you, or you spend so much time doing it that revenue and future strategy pay the price. So what's the solution? I think it's probably linked to three words, structure, discipline, and outsourcing. Your kids are soft. You lack discipline. You need to schedule the time to do operations, and you need to only do operations in that scheduled time. One of the keys for me in any business venture I've launched or a big project is scheduling time for each aspect of it. Putting it into my calendar on a weekly basis and then that calendar becomes the boss of me. Look at me, sure. I'm the captain now. If it says now is time to make prospecting calls, then I drop whatever I'm doing and I make prospecting calls. If I am rocking prospecting calls and it says the next hour is invoicing, then I stop calling and I start invoicing. And it is key that you set this up on a weekly basis, adapting each week so that your actions strategically align with where you are and the needs of your business. And then you must build the discipline to actually follow that calendar. In addition to that structure and discipline is realizing that to grow a business effectively, to scale it, you need to outsource much of the operation, either to tools or to people. I'm in a position of scaling now. So year one, you know, as you said, it was a really great year for me and I, and I grew really fast and now I need to figure out how to scale. <laughs> I need to figure out how to pull myself uh, out of the business. So I think, as I mentioned earlier, people were hiring me because of my reputation and that's great, but I, I definitely don't scale personally. So now I need to make sure that I have the right resources, the right talent who's, who are trained properly, who, um, have the right processes and the right, uh, tools in place in order to take on that work so I can step back and be more strategic. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing for me over the course of the last year and, and especially the last few months has been being ready to let go and automate. There are a lot of tasks that I don't need to be doing, individual tasks that come up every so often. So I've gotten good about you know, finding people I trust who can help with a specific task for a few hours, you know, rather than getting someone on board full-time or part-time. Um, and I've also been good about finding, you know, services that I can pay for that will take care of a lot of these things. So it took me a while to kind of let that go and accept that, you know, I can let a robot do something 80% of the way I'd like it to be done. <laughs> the last thing that I want to share that came out of both my conversation with Tara and with Melanie is something that affects all three juggling balls, operations, revenue, and future strategy. And frankly, your sanity as well. And that is choosing your clients and the work you accept wisely. When I asked Tara what her biggest learn was in her business over the last 12 months, she said this. This is one that I probably have learned many times over the years. Um, in various different forms, but it especially hit home last year. And that is, do not take work with a potential client that you feel isn't a good fit, even if you need the work, because it'll suck your life away. It'll suck your time. It'll suck your money. It'll 
give you stress. It'll keep you up at night. It'll take away from the clients that you are perfect fits with and that you love. Uh, and it's just a, a bad idea. If you think about it, we can see how all three juggling balls are in play here. Tara mentioned earlier about how one of her focuses in year one was to really deliver for clients so that their experience and testimonials feed the future strategy. And so if we work with clients that are not a great fit, not only are they a pain in our butt, but then you don't get those great testimonials because their experience sucks too. It's like a romantic relationship that doesn't work out. It often doesn't mean that you are not a great guy or a great woman, you just might not be the great guy or woman for them. And so these clients end up feeling like and maybe telling others that you're not a great firm when it really was that you weren't a great fit. And so saying no may cost you revenue today, but you have to consider the negative costs to your operations and future strategy if you say yes. And because of that, the probability that it will actually cost you more revenue in the long run if you do say yes. So a lot of people say, you know, it's your, you know, the talent you hire will make and break you. And, you know, I do believe that um, that's a really important part of your business too. Uh, but at the end of the day, the clients that you choose to work with are just as important. And going forward into this year, um, even if it's going to mean tightening our belts for you know a month or two or even six, um, you know we're going to make sure that we hold out for the right kinds of clients. You know I have an amazing roster of clients, and the problem is is those those sort of problematic clients that are never happy. I'm struggling to make them happy and missing opportunities to make my great clients happy. So that's my biggest lesson. And in a slightly different way, Melanie said something similar as far as her approach to this coming year. Knowing that some people exercise the idea of a theme or focus word for their year, she applied that to her business. But as you'll hear, the words she applied are more of a filter or a litmus test to make sure her decisions around operation and revenue align with her future strategy. So I picked three focus words for myself, and those are create, convert and connect. And so my focus, whenever I'm doing something, I need to kind of check with myself, is this giving me an opportunity to create something? Is it going to convert to business for me? Because, you know, there's a lot of creative projects that, that may never convert to business and I've got to keep some of those in check, you know, and is it allowing me to connect people that I care about, that I respect, that I like working with? So those three things for me, create, connect and convert, I really like my three focus words for the year. Um, and I have found even in just the last few few weeks and preparing for the new year, as I've been asking myself and reminding myself about these focus words, it's given me a new way of looking at my business and you know, making sure that there is at least some underlying strategy to all the things that I'm doing, that I know what I want to accomplish at all times um, from, from sort of a, a conceptual standpoint. And so I would encourage folks to try that. Um, I think maybe if the idea of creating a business strategy is overwhelming or, you know, you feel like you don't have the business background, at least think of it more like that. Think of it like a focus word. What is it that you want to focus on? You know, and you can kind of give that to yourself as a litmus test when you have a decision or a potential client or, you know, any sort of fork in the road that you find yourself in. Does it tie back to your focus word? You know, that's sort of the, the easy way into strategy without even knowing it, maybe. So there you have it, a kind of strategy for dummies. 
And please, I am referencing the book series and not insulting any of our intelligences. I like how Melanie put that, though, as I think it can be effective to simplify what is a very unsimple thing, growing a business or a career. It's a hugely complex endeavor with many moving parts. I mean, it's just like like making breakfast. I thought that we agreed to do the juggling metaphor. <laughs> we did, but I don't know. I still kind of like the breakfast one. Plus, I'm hungry again. So look, whatever metaphor you use, the point here is that to grow any endeavor, to achieve something of substance, to be successful at something, it is not enough to just have a great attitude, a rock-solid intention, a steely determination. You need a strategy. Otherwise... Your toast. I see what you're doing, Brett. What? Look, I- I'm, I'm just saying. A strategy is likely going to get you there faster and more effectively. That this idea, well... Well, well, this is the one that brings home the bacon. See? Ugh, Brett, now you're making me hungry. Let's, let's just go get some Brenner after the show, okay? So decide what that strategy will be for you. Keep it simple but use it as a guide and a litmus test. And if you are diligent and stay the course, you'll get there. As you slide eggs onto the plate, the bacon will be just the right temperature, the toast will pop, you'll butter it, pour a cup of coffee, and bon appetit. Hey guys, it's Nick. Honestly, Brett wrote the credits, but then didn't send me the credits, and it's late at night, so everyone gets to listen to me do credits this week. So here we go. Greetings, you made it to the credits, but will you make it through the credits? Very special shout-outs this week to everyone who sent love and support Brett's way. Um, They weren't even directed towards me, but it was really cool and very touching to see how much our audience uh, gave back to us this last week. So thank you to Ann Carrington, Tracy Grasmeyer, Michael Miller, Kenji Miner, Michael at Tanglewood, Aoife Barrington-Haber, Paul Tamo, Alex Acton, at Sapphire J24, Morgan LeBlanc, at Sherbert Lane, Bob Hazlitt, The Podcast Digest, Worthy Glover, Ty Harmon, Erica Robin Saud, Tim Patton, Tommy Tibbetts, Z Ott, and Tori Clausen. Thank you so much for all the support. Follow us on Twitter at ExploreWTS, find us on Facebook, and join our mailing list at wherethersmoke.co. You're going to want to do that soon. So follow the mailing list at wherethersmoke.co. And uh, Brett here says you can find him directly on Twitter at Brett Gaida, but he didn't include my name or my Twitter. I'm at Podcast Monster, and I've got a new website up. So if you're thinking about that podcast, now's the time. If you love the show and have never written a review for us on iTunes, would you please consider doing that like right now? Your words really help to raise the visibility of the show on iTunes and to expand our listener base. The theme song for WTS is written and recorded by Des McKinney and remixed by yours truly. And speaking of music, this is the part of the credits where I tell you who was featured in the show. This week we had Madaka Akitani, Blue Dot Sessions, Ari De Niro, Lee Rosevere, Kai Engel, Poddington Bear, and of course, Kevin McLeod. Where there's smokers analyzed, strategized, organized, systematized, fried, scrambled, toasted, juggled, written, and produced by Brett Gaida and Nick Jaworski. 
If you have a podcast or a podcast idea and you want it to sound awesome, as we talked about, check out my website at podcastmonster.com. If you're interested in having Brett speak, train or coach you, your organization or company, email him directly at brett at We're almost out of time, so I will instead ask each candidate to sum up in a single word the best argument for his candidacy. Governor Bush? Strategery. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We love you. And we'll see you next week.